0: Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through help the community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed.
1: I don't know about you guys, but I really love, um, it's going to sound so lame, but I really love baking things. And baking things has become like a bit, I don't know, maybe it's an addiction, obsession, I don't know. But uh, a couple weeks ago, it was Christmas. And I thought, how cool would it be on Christmas morning to make some... Cinnamon rolls, because that's what you do. You make cinnamon rolls. And so I wanted to show you guys a quick picture of the cinnamon rolls, um, uh, the, the cinnamon rolls, what they're meant to look like. That's what they're meant to look like. Who um, of you guys watched a show called Nailed It on Netflix? Uh, this, these are what I actually made. Um, so I count that as a failure in life. Um, look at my fingers. They're all dirty and grubby. Um, they tasted like cinnamon rolls, they were hard like cookies though, um, so I definitely failed. Um, and, as you, and as you know about anything really, when you're working with the recipe, there's a recipe, there's a right way to do things, that you can take a picture down, or you can leave it on, you can keep laughing at me, it's fine. But uh, there's a right way to do things, there's a, there's a wrong way to do things, there's the right way that seems right. But it's actually wrong. The Bible actually talks about that in Proverbs. It has this idea that there's a right way that seems right to us that leads to destruction. Now, I wouldn't say that destruction comes from wrong cinnamon rolls. I am glad that nobody got sick that morning, so that would have been a real bummer. But um, we made cinnamon rolls, and by weird it was me, and I failed, and that happens. But what I wanted to talk with you guys today about is, is there's a better way for life, There's a better way, there's better relationships that you can have, there's better people that you can have in your life, and we've been doing the series here at Watershed called Better Way. A couple weeks ago, Emilio started off the series, and we, we started looking at the life of David. David was the king of Israel, uh, he was the second king of Israel, he was anointed as a child, and then through Saul's failures, David ended up becoming king. And when David was young, he he had a really good friend named Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of Saul, and they had an incredible relationship. What Emilio taught us was that you can have friends in your life, but the type of friends in your life will determine the input that you get into life. Either they will lift you up, or they'll tear you down. And what we learned about Jonathan is that Jonathan was a friend who sacrificed Jonathan was a friend who loved and built up. Jonathan was the kind of friend that you wanted in your corner. Jonathan was the kind of friend that would go above and beyond for David. And that's what Emilio challenged us on, was who are you putting in your life right now? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who, is, who are you allowing right now to speak into your life? And then the next week after, Emilia talked us through David and Bathsheba. It is the second most popular sin in the Bible. Obviously, we know that the first one was Adam and Eve. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so we talked about David and Bathsheba and how he went after the wrong kind of relationship. That this idea that sometimes using people as an object to get what you want or sometimes avoiding people, getting people out of the way because they're an obstacle to get what you want, we learned that how David pursued his desire was completely out of whack. He went down the wrong path. He followed the path of lust and it tore him apart. And then the next week, Jeff came and spoke to us about the right kind of confrontation After the situation with David and Bathsheba, Nathan, a friend of David's, came and called him out. He didn't shame him. He didn't crush him. He lovingly told him what he had done was wrong. He called him out. He told him what was up. And through that, David actually penned Psalm 51. If you want to write that down and go read it, it's a psalm where he lays his heart down and he absolutely repents. That kind of relationship that David had with Nathan actually lifted him up. It didn't tear him down even though the sin was so heinous. And the last talk that we're going to be talking about is this idea of a dysfunctional family. Now, I, I, as I say the word dysfunction, I know that some of you in the room, your families are great, awesome, praise God. And I know that some of us in the room today, our families are, are a little bit harder. Our, our families are a little bit more tough to navigate. That sometimes you, you see your your family is the enemy. Maybe right now your home situation is that of just, it's complete evil. Maybe you're in the room today and you have these high expectations that, you have been, that have been put on you, that you are to live a certain way, get certain grades, and if you don't, then you are a disappointment, you are a failure. How dare you bring shame on our family? and maybe that's how you are feeling in the room today. I went and I looked up what the idea of dysfunction meant, and obviously it's pretty basic, it's not functioning right. I was like waiting for some like deep answer on the internet, it was like, not functioning right. I'm like, okay, that's helpful. It just says it's not working how it should be. You see, the reality is God has a plan for family. God has a plan. He intended family to look a certain way. Husbands and wives are to love each other, to serve each other, to care for each other. They are to raise their children in the ways of the Lord, to raise them to remember the Scriptures, to remember the law, to remember who God is and what God is like. There was this encouragement in the Old Testament that God's people were to... Parents were to lovingly lead their kids in such a way that they would almost write scripture, put them in these little boxes and keep them on their foreheads to, to bring to remembrance God's word, God's law. There was these ideas that parents, their jobs, ultimately, biblically ordained by God, were to lead their children into the ways of the Lord. To love and to care for them and to serve them and to show them what life is, what it is like to be lived out in relationship with God. I always told myself growing up in my faith, not growing up in general, but growing up in my faith, I always told myself that one day when I have kids, I I don't ever want my kids to, to know, to not know how much God loves them. That, that's been a dream on my heart for years is that I want my children to be able to look at me, to watch my life and go, Dad, dad, loves, dad loves Jesus. Hey, hey, Dad, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm reading the Bible. Do you, you want to come and learn? Like that for me is a dream, and I never had that growing up. I never had a, a relationship with my parents that was around God my parents don't know God even to this day my parents don't have a relationship with God and and, and sticking with the story of David I wanted to jump in at Samuel chapter thirteen. 13 second Samuel chapter 13 it is a ton of scripture but I'm just going to retell the story and I'm going to share some points from it and then we're going to be done the story is pretty basic It's the point in the story where after David had fallen with Bathsheba, they had a child. That child got sick and passed away. And then David had multiple other children. Some of their names were Amnon, Absalom. He also had a daughter named Tamar. And so these were just some of the main characters that we found in this story. Again, you can go and read this. It's 2 Samuel chapter 13. It is a lot, but I just want to retell the story in a way that is easy to understand. Amnon fell in love with his half sister Tamar. It's kind of weird. And uh, he, he fell in love with her and he decided that he wanted to, to sleep with her. And so he devised this whole plan with his cousin named Jonadab. Again, these, these names are great. Um, he, he, he devised this plan and so he acted like he was sick. And he lay in bed and he, his dad, David, came to see how he was doing. You sometimes think like, oh, David, after he fell with Bathsheba, he's now evil and out of the way. I think God did such a deep work in David that he even started to care for his son. It was technically in this culture the mother's role to care for the son. But David came and cared for his son, Amnon. Amnon was actually his firstborn, probably in line for the throne uh, of, to be king after David. And what ended up happening was this relationship. Um, David came and cared for Amnon, and Amnon was like, hey, dad, listen. Well, he didn't say, hey, dad. It was probably like, hey, father, or whatever. And he was like, hey, dad, I'm feeling really sick. Can you go tell Tamar to come and feed me, to come and bake me some food that I may eat from her? And David was like, well, yeah, I guess, you know, like a sibling, caring for a sibling, that's not a big issue, right? So then David was like, yeah, he went and called Tamar, and she came, and she tended to him. And in the process, they were alone. David wasn't there. Nobody else was there. It was just Tamar and Amnon. And Amnon, at one point, after the food was given to him, he pretty much hit it out of her hands, grabbed her, pulled her, and said, hey, lie with me. Not like, hey, let's snuggle and watch a movie. It was like, hey, let's sleep together. And she was like, brother, no. This is not right. She, she calls him brother ultimately to remind, hey, hey, we can't do this. This is not right. And at that point, T- uh, Tamar was grabbed by Amnon and he raped her. And then from there, she, she was a virgin, and she wore a certain kind of clothing that w- is what virgins wore, and she left weeping. She tore her clothes. She put ash on herself, and she made it known, and it made David incredibly angry. And I wonder if David, deep down inside, was like, I want to go and say something to Amnon, but I can't, because this is, this is what I did. I did something similar. I, I don't know if I can call him out. Because I fell the same way that now my, my son is falling the same way that I did. And so she then lets her other brother, her real brother, Absalom, know. And Absalom then plans this party. Two years into the future, he starts plotting the murder of Amnon. Amnon. And so he sets up this whole plan, and at this family gathering, he was going to invite his dad, and he's going to invite Amnon, and he was going to invite all the other brothers, the other siblings of this family, and they were going to celebrate. And when Amnon got a little bit too tipsy, they were, they were going to murder Amnon, and so they did. They murdered Amnon, and it was almost like a power play. There was a bit of pride. Maybe if, like, I, kill, if I kill Amnon, then maybe I'll be seen as the rightful next king, who knows? We, we can't, that's called conjecture. We can't tell exactly his motives, but what we do know is that he was incredibly angry at Amnon. I would be too, if that was your sister, and somebody did that to her, you would wanna seek revenge. You would wanna be angry. You would wanna do something to fix and right the situation. All this was happening in David's family right under his nose. It made David angry, but he seemed to be very passive. He didn't really do anything to right the wrongs. And so you see, multiplied in David's kids, his very own sin, think about it. We've learned in the series that David committed adultery, he committed an act of sexual immorality with somebody, and then he went and got her husband murdered, and now you see the very same sin showing up in his kids' lives. Amnon raping his sister, and then Absalom murdering his brother. It's a very messy, messy family situation. And you know the sad thing is? You can go read 2 Samuel 13, you'll get to the end of the chapter and then you'll turn over and you're like, okay, where's the the good news? Like, is there any like, (laughs) is there, and then they all like kinda had family dinner the next weekend and it was great and then they had cinnamon roll. No, there was none of that. It was just, where's the good news in this? It was just a messy family situation. Filled with brokenness and pain, and it kind of makes me think of my own family. Um, I, I wasn't I wasn't raised in a, in a Christian home like many of you were. Um, I, I was raised by a, a dad who was an alcoholic. Um, my mom was a nervous wreck. She she lived in fear. Her her whole life with my, with my dad. Um, there was a lot of pain and, and brokenness. There was a lot of name calling. There was a lot of frustration. There was a lot of anger in the home. Me and my brother, we were kind of just in the middle of the mess all the time. Um, we, we saw my dad get aggressive. Uh, there was very vulgar language that went about between them. I did see things at times get somewhat physical, um, aggressively. And so I, I kind of watched my family disintegrate as I got older, and, and I saw pain, I saw suffering. My, my parents didn't know the Lord, they didn't have a relationship with God, they didn't, they didn't care for that. Um, my brother became like my dad and followed in his footsteps, um, and then he left the home and he moved out, and then I was kind of there, you know, being mediated in the middle, like okay, I have to deal with the brokenness of my family. <laughs> um, I, had to, I had to stand my ground. I had to stop my dad from doing what he was doing. I had to, I had to uh, comfort my mom. Um, you know, my dad would get to the point where he would rip my mom's clothes out and throw them on the ground and say, hey, divorce me. Do it. See how you'll survive. And so I, I kind of witnessed that a lot growing up, and so the big idea that I got from this text and even looking at, at my story is this, sin stains the beauty of what could be, sin stains the beauty of what could be. The, the big idea that I hope to, to communicate today is that sin makes every family in some way dysfunctional, but there's always Hope. I know that even when you read this text, you're like, Tegan, I read that. Where's the hope? You see, sin stains the beauty of what could be. Since the beginning, since Adam and Eve, the fall happened. Sin happened. And since then, every single human being on earth in some way or form has been broken and stained by sin. Sin has broken us. Sin has disconnected us from God. It took the beautiful picture of what God had intended and it had stained it. It had marred it, it had broken it. I use this illustration constantly that God created all things as a mirror to reflect Him and then sin came and shattered that mirror. Though it can reflect to a certain degree, it is no longer the full picture of what could have been. And so sin stains the beauty of what could be And ultimately, you see this when the enemy comes in and he brings in division. There might be division in your home right now. There might be division between your mom and dad right now. There might be division going on right now in your heart. like You don't know who to choose, and that is the enemy's plan to take down families. You see, in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 3, you see the language of we become the woman you gave me. The, the this, you, and it becomes very separate. It's no longer us and we. It is that person, that other person. What started off being beautiful is now separate. Which means the next point is that sin runs in our families and its ripple effects are far-reaching. The Bible says... Through one man, Adam, sin entered the world. Your great, 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 great grandfather and grandmother, Adam and Eve, through them, sin entered the world, and it has stained everything today. From the beginning of time, we have seen the brokenness of the family. You can see it in Bible characters. You can see it in Abraham. You can see it in Jacob. You can see it in Joseph. You can see it throughout the New Testament. If you were at church today, you even saw this husband and wife named Ananias and Sapphira. Even between them, there was brokenness and pain. Sin has gone far reaching and it has broken every aspect of who we are. And sin ultimately today, it hurts us. It hurts today. It hurts. It hurts your family, it hurts my family. There's pain, this suffering, and sometimes you just cry out and you're like, "God, where are you? What are you doing? Why is this happening?" I can't imagine what it's like for Tamar in the story. I can't imagine what it's like. I don't know your story. I know my story. I know some of your stories, but I've I've seen what sin has done to families and. And we are trying to today to somehow fix it. What we see happen in the story is that David passively did nothing, Absalom actively did something in his own strength, and both led to destruction. So, what is it? What's the good news, Tegan? Tell me the good news. Where's the good news in the story? Because right now, my life sucks. Right now, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm in pain. I'm suffering. I'm in counseling. My parents just got divorced. I'm seeing the pain. I'm seeing the suffering. I'm seeing the hurt. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to go to. I go to my dear group leader, but they can only do so much. I, I don't know who to turn to. I'm alone. I have nothing. I'm in isolation. I'm trying to find myself in social media. I'm trying to find myself in everything that the world has to offer. And it's still not healing the brokenness of my heart. Where is the hope, Tegan? You said that there's hope. Where is this hope? You see, the hope is I'm going to say it, and you're going to be like, oh, duh. The hope is Jesus. Here's why. David's story is messy. His family is messy. It is an incredibly broken situation. It is filled with rape and murder and pride. It tore his family apart. And unfortunately, when you look back and you think, yeah, David, great king, you think of all of the sin and all of the negative legacy that he left behind. But through his family lineage, through his story, the Messiah came. Through his messy brokenness, through the pain and the suffering, and you look back at his legacy and you go, what a messy, messy family situation. The God of the universe decided to move in and through that family To bring about the king of glory. So right now when you look at 2 Samuel chapter 13, it's painful and it's messy. But when you start to zoom out a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, you get to see the full picture of what God is doing and what God is up to. Jesus is our hope Your family of origin right now doesn't determine your future because the Bible says in Galatians 4 and Ephesians 1 that you have been adopted into the family of God, that you are a son and daughter of who he is. That there is hope right now in the midst of this situation that you're in. There is a better way to do relationships. There's a better way to do friendships. And there's a better way to, to set up family for success. I will say this, when families When families are close, when families are loving, when families come together, society wins. Society is better when families are better. And so here's my final point. Pray. Pray for your family, pray for your friends. Be who God called you to be as a son or a daughter. Hold on to the hope that Jesus is in the midst of doing something that you might not be able to see right now, but he's in the process of moving. He's in the process of changing. He's the process of transforming. He's working behind the scenes when you don't always see what he's up to, but he's in the process of doing something so much bigger than you can imagine right now. So hold on to him. Let him be your shield. Let him be your fortress. Let him be the rock. Let him be the one you build your life on because though your family sucks and though things are broken right now and you don't know what to do in this evil and brokenness and pain, hold on to him because he is holding on to you because you are a son and a daughter of him. You see, for me, family growing up was tough. But a couple months ago, I got to get married, which is pretty cool. But here's the big deal about this: I got to see my family come to my wedding. Dang it, I was hoping not to to cry. I got to. I got to see my mom, my dad, and my brother, um, come to my wedding. And a few months before that, I was in South Africa, and I remember telling my
0: mom, I was like, mom, I hate coming home because I don't know what love is here. And I'm about to get married, and I don't know what this means because I've never seen love in the home. And I'm about to get married. How am I supposed to love this woman if I don't know? I've never seen it. And I got, my parents got to come to my wedding. And, and there was a point when I was walking in, I, I was walking behind my mom and my dad and my brother and I got to see them sit down. I got to get married. And it was awesome. I got to see them go back to South Africa. And, and I've been praying for my family for 13 years. Since I became a Christian, I was like, I, need, I want my family to know what I know and to taste what I taste and see what I see. And I, I remember those, there's been conversations since then. Um, the other day, my mom sent me a message. She's like, hey, Tegan. She was like, hey, <laughs> was like, hey um, what do you think would be a good book to start reading in the Bible? <laughs> I got, I got a message from my brother the other day. He was like, hey, you know, when Oliver, Oliver's his one-year-old, when Oliver's of walking age, we're going to start going to church because I want, I want them to experience a different kind of life. I never went to Sunday school. I never had that privilege. And my mom and dad, my brother wants to go to church. My mom wants to start reading the Bible. And my dad said of the wedding, he said he had never seen that kind of thing before. He had never experienced that kind of love. And for me, and being married to to Heather, my dream is that I want to break the legacy that my parents have left. And I want to start something new. And I want it to be different. And I want to love my kids. And I want them to know Jesus. And so there might be dysfunction in your family, but it doesn't have to be the thing that defines you. Because Jesus, when when you zoom out and see the full story... He's the one that defines you. He's the one that gives you a new name, and he calls you his own. So though David's story is messy, there is a better way, and his name is Jesus.